listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're talking about customer experience, Chick-fil-A style, or to be more precise, how B2C guest experiences are impacting expectations around the B2B customer experience or the B2B sales experience. To help us with the topic, we have with us Mark Holmes, CEO of the Sales Revenue Coach, author of five books, including The People Keeper, The Sales Diamond, and the latest one, The Five Rules of Mega Value Selling. Mark, thanks for taking the time today. Welcome to the show. Great. Thanks for having me, Chad. Appreciate it. So before we jump into the topic of the day, we'd like to start with a, a random question just to give, give our audience a little bit more insight into you. As you look back over your career and think about some defining moment that happened that kind of changed trajectory or your perspective on things, kind of what was that event and what did you learn from it? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, that launched me all the way back to uh, when I started my <laughs> business 32 years ago. I mean, oddly enough. You know, some people really search for their uh, niche or kind of the direction to take. I kind of just plopped or landed right in the middle of mine. Fortunately, the first two clients I had, while from very different industries, one was like a, a Caterpillar type dealer, you know, the heavy machinery, and the other was an automobile dealer. They both, oddly enough, wanted the very same thing. They wanted me to send in, and I didn't even know what these were secret shoppers, mystery shoppers. You know, I had to do a little research to find out what that really meant. Uh, at the time, and I, I, they wanted me to send them in for the purpose of being able to find out how can we improve our sales, but do it in a way that the customer appreciates. And I thought, well, that's an interesting approach. And that literally, Chad, was um, that opened my eyes to this whole perspective. And I had come from sales, come from marketing, and you always kind of looked at push or pull marketing and all these <laughs> different techniques and strategies. And I just, I, I, you know, I thought this is uh, profound. This is exactly how sales ought to be. Uh, we ought to be approaching it from the customer's perspective, not ours. And so that really navigated my course. I, it's affected everything I still do to this day. Well, and it's a concept that, you know, you see a lot of sales organizations struggle with because they're so focused on how they sell rather than, you know, how their customers buy. And it's a subtle, you know, shift, maybe the opposite side of the coin, but uh, it's becoming even more and more critical today. And when we were talking and prepping for this uh, interview, uh, you referred to it as, as customer experience Chick-fil-A style, uh, <laughs> which I love. But for our audience, can you provide some context around that? Yeah, I probably ought to start with, you know, why Chick-fil-A style? Uh, <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably the most obvious place to start. Why not McDonald's or Dunkin'? Or, um, I know Chick-fil-A. I've, oddly enough, I've had a, a, a parallel kind of course career. A, a lot of my work is with B2Bs, of course, uh, in how to increase sales. And to do that, they've got to understand this need to um, really address it from the customer's perspective. But with B2Cs, and I've had a number of them, like the Chick-fil-A's and the Duncan's and many others in the large retail stores, they're out after to do the same thing. They want to increase revenue, but they know to do that. In reality, what they're really coming to me for is to help improve their guest or customer experience in order to produce that revenue. So it's the same end result, but it, one of them really gets it. The B2Cs have gotten it for a long time. We've got to be able to c concoct or create that experience for the customer, Chad, that, you know, the, the, uh, that they're going to appreciate, that they're going to want to repeat and come back. 
And that's the message today for today's salesperson. It's the message today for uh, today's sales executive or business owner. We've got to characterize that experience in a way that the customer says, you know what, uh, I want to do business there. And that starts at the very, very beginning, much like a B2C experience. If you drive on the lot of Chick-fil-A or Dunkin' Donuts, or, it all starts right there. You look at the enterprise. You, you, I mean, you look at the building. You look at the grounds. You walk in. You see how people interact with you. It's from the moment you get inside that door all the way through to the conclusion, and you're walking out the door, front of the house, back of the house. And that's very similar to a B2B experience. It starts at the very beginning when they click on the website, when they look for that article, when they're trying to watch that video, when they try to find what it is that you do differently. And then when they engage with a salesperson and they call and they talk to a secretary or a receptionist first, all of those touch points add up because at the core of it, at the core of it, whether we're a B2C or a B2B customer, we all have this running mental grade card, I like to call it. <laughs> they give us an A or they're giving us a C here. And then when they deal with them, they're giving them a D. And when they walk away, they go, ah, oh, you know, that was just, uh, that was okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. Well, we got to be up there in that great territory because more and more today, the, the company that gets the salesperson who gets the sale um, may very well come down to exactly how they were treated and the experience that they had overall. Uh, I, I'm hearing odd things today. I mean, this is really crazy to me. Uh, I still kind of scratch my head. I, I think, you know, seriously, million-dollar deals are coming down to things like this. When we do exit interviews, not exit interviews, but win-loss reviews, um, customers will say, well, you know, I, I, they just got us. So what do you mean <laughs> they just got us? Well, they just seem to understand us better. Or this one, they'll say, you know, we were just more comfortable with him or her. Uh, we just really liked the way that they approached us, how they handled us, how they looked at our business. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, you got to get that message today up in the C-suite because that's what's happening down there on the ground. Um, that's what we're hearing. And it's out in the field. And now it's time for everybody in the organization to wake up to the fact that the customer's experience is a whole lot more maybe important than what we've given it credit for. Right. Well, we've I mean, we've talked about this, right? So if you think about it, um, I mean, I've been selling or was selling before I moved into the sales enablement space for, for over a decade that that CX dream, right? Like we've seen companies invest in it. We've seen the reports that CX, especially in a B2C space, it generates returns. I mean, I forget the name of the company, but there's a report that showed the stock prices of those mm. companies that invested in CX versus those that didn't, right? This was one that we we used quite a bit when I was I was selling to the you know Global One Thousand. The challenge always was, though, at first you had to get them to understand the importance of of understanding what your uh, customer was going through, and that was in organizations outside of the sales silo. And I'm wondering, you know, as you work with your customers today, how are sales executives handling the fact that even in a B2B environment, they have to pay attention to every aspect of the sales experience? Um, it was hard for me selling it to CMOs and CTOs, you know, five, 10 years ago. Now the salespeople who are so traditionally focused on, well, what's my activity level or how are my guys selling? It's a little bit of a paradigm shift. And I'm curious how some of your clients are, or how you've seen people kind of respond to this need for an expanded awareness yeah well it's run the gambit from <laughs> those who uh, really get it the enlightened ones to those and their and and i mean an intense interest um on the one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum just clueless um still not really understanding what 
kinds of mammoth changes have occurred and how quickly they need to adjust. But fortunately, and, and here's, uh, you know, I was penciling out before we uh, talked today, Chad, something that um, people listening, uh, the audience may uh, have some kind of find of interest. And that is, it, there, there, uh, there's such a diversity today of businesses that have been affected by this shift in what the customer expects. I'll give you just a sense. I'm, I'm working with a transportation industry client. I'm working with a manufacturing processing equipment client, a food manufacturer, an IT, a construction management, and con- convenience store chain. You just name um, um, a handful of them. And in every single case, they are looking for something to improve their customer's experience or guest's experience. Some are looking to increase or improve their value proposition so that it's more centered on what the customer values, not what the company or what the salesperson thinks we value, but actually doing our job, asking the kinds of questions to be able to identify the needs and concerns and skepticisms and assumptions and opportunities that the customer actually has so that we're selling and we're we're piecing or we're uh, creating our value proposition back to their message, not ours. And uh, it, whether it's a strategy to reposition in the marketplace, or maybe they're responding to a problem. I've got two clients right now that they came to me because they've gotten horrible reports from customers about the customer experience. So they're trying to reposition. Um, I've got a large manufacturer who says 25% of our customers have no idea who their sales rep is. <laughs> and we've, I know it just blows your mind. And then, and, and then we start looking at our, our, they were saying, we, we look at our sales or our customer's journey and we think, man, it's just completely out of sync with what we thought. And so now they're reconverting and they're changing their entire website. And now, instead of going to their website and trying to hunt and find, they literally have their website being laid out like customers look for websites to be laid out. Much like you'd go to Amazon and order, like I did this week, a brand new pair of shoes. Uh, you know, it was easy to find. I could go right to it. Well, the businesses that get it today, the sales executives who get it, the sales people who get it, know that what we've got to do is to be able to present to the customer what they're looking for. So maybe it's under a product, or maybe it's an industry where they're trying to find the solution, or it's solutions, or it's services. Whatever it is, construct the way we sell that's comfortable for and aligned with that customer's journey. And that that's really the test today. It's the ability to align the sales person and the sales process with the, the customer's journey and do it in a way that's congruent and consistent. And they get that experience much like they would get if they were on Amazon or they went and went to a Duncan or they went to, to whatever they shop. They get that immediacy that they want. They get the convenience that they want. They get the excellence that they want. And they get the consistency that they want. It's the same thing they want from B2B experiences. They want immediacy, just a sense of convenience. They want it when they want it, how they want it. They want that excellence that regardless of who they deal with, they want to be treated in a way that's excellent. They want excellent products and services delivered, and they want it consistently. If they deal with a salesperson that's really you know, focused on them and selling to their needs and understanding them and taking the time to create a relationship and create trust and to take it from the customer's perspective, if they've got a salesperson like that, when they deal with the account 
um, you know, the accounting office or the finance department or the field operations or technician or technical services department. They expect all of those to be at the same level of consistency and excellence. And when it's not, uh, there's a disconnect. So this message is, is certainly for salespeople. We've got to get our act together. We've got to sell the way the customer wants to be sold to. But at the same time, it's for the sales executive and the C-level suite to say we need to make an investment and make sure that we're from the front of the house to the back of the house, we're getting that AAA score from the customer when they call in and when they deal with us. Yeah, there's an article uh, recently in, in Harvard Business Review where they analyzed a, a bunch of B2B buyers, and, and they came up with the fact that I think it was 86% of buyers and organizations will actually pay more for a good experience, right? And that's a, an experience that, that's re- largely generated by the sales rep in a B2B world. And that 89, I think it was 89% of people have actually stopped a buying process or gone yeah. with a competitor because they didn't like the way that they were being interfaced with. And and that that yeah. point you make about you know understanding the customer's journey. We've ah, man, I've done a lot of journey mapping with with mm. organizations over the years. And and there's a difference between at times a customer journey and a buyer's journey. And it's a subtle, much like all of this, it's a subtle difference. But if you can get your sales reps to start looking at it from the buyer's perspective, understand their definition of value is what you're trying to uncover and connect to, uh, it gets a lot more powerful. It's just so hard sometimes to get sales reps to, you know, just stop making statements and start asking questions. Yeah. And just, it, I, you make such a great point. Those buyers motivations become so important because, uh, you may get a mid-level decision maker influencer calling in, or they may be clicking on your website and touring around, and then it could be, someone else from their organization. It, I mean, it's a tough, there's no question it's tough. It's challenging because you may have four or five or six or seven, what's the average today, 7.2, you know, decision influencers to make a, a large uh, purchase decision B2B. So you're going to have to meet a, different levels of needs and uh, salespeople need to be very uh, aware of that, that uh, there's other people in their organization that are likely going to need to come in on the decision and they're going to need to curate their influence so that, um, you know, they're attending to their value drivers as much as they are the B, you know, or the D level or whatever um, decision influencer in an organization. I want to go back to something you said, because I think it was a great point about customers buy more. They do buy more, they pay more, and they refer more. You know, they're not as sensitive. Most of the research shows they're not as sensitive to a little bit of a price difference. They still want that value, but they're willing to pay for trust. They're willing to pay for relationship. And, you know, when customer, when when sales executives and when presidents of organizations and CEOs get this, like I've got a, a small manufacturer, uh, Jay, I think you'll, uh, your audience will love this story, small manufacturer. I mean, they get it. And uh, I was just talking to the CEO not long ago, and they've got their system down now. They've got two different locations. They're about a half a mile from each other. It's just how it's kind of structured. And they've got a manufacturing side, and then they've got this distribution and parts side, and that's in a different building. And oftentimes, people will come into the manufacturing side where the president and the CEO and uh, salespeople and many other people are located. They'll walk in the door, and they'll be like lost, and where am I supposed to go? And so they've got a system now. I mean, get this, where they literally, it's most like a Duncan experience or a Chick-fil-A experience, where they walk in the door, somebody greets them with a smile. They ask them if they'd like to have a drink, uh, you know, maybe a, a bottle of 
of water, a cup of coffee. They show them the restrooms. They tell them, hey, don't worry, you're in the right company. It's just we have a different location, and they explain that. And then they get to know them. They start asking them questions. It may be the CEO who walks out and just strikes up a conversation. You know, what brought you in? And how did you get here? How did you find out about us? And how could, is there anybody else in your car? You used to be, well, he was telling me the other day about a guy who came in to buy a $5 uh, part. Uh, from them. And he said his wife was in the car. So they brought her in, got her a bottle of water. <laughs> and uh, by the time they got down the street, you know, they'll call ahead and say, you've got Mr. and Mrs. Jones coming. Uh, you know, they're get, they're interested in such and such. And so somebody's ready at that facility. And he said that customer today, I mean, get this, that was a $5, $5 order. He said they've become a chemical uh, purchase for us now. They spend thousands of dollars a year and they've already referred us to another um, actually a car wash owner that uh, wants the same kinds of chemicals, and he's spending thousands of dollars a year. So th- they've got it down. They've got this this understanding that we sell to the customer in a way that creates a memory that's worth repeating. It gives them that positive experience. I mean, we all know this. People don't buy unless they're comfortable for in the way in which we sell. They're not going to buy what we sell until they're comfortable with how we sell. And when it starts with respect and trust and listening and caring, it just resonates with customers today. They do want convenience. They want excellence. They want consistency. They want to know that you care. Well, and I mean, you're right. You're spot on, right? And if, if you look at it, if you look at the way B2B people sell, it's so difficult sometimes to get them to take a breath and ask questions and then listen, right? Because most sales reps, especially in B2B, they want to get in. They want to tell you how cool they are. Hey, you need to buy this. And nobody wants to be sold to. Nobody wants to be sold to anymore. It doesn't work, right? You, you need yeah. to really start to find ways to be authentically connecting. And that experience that someone has isn't made up of, you know, how you performed on this phone call versus that phone call. It's how you string together all those micro moments. Like, were you asking well, you know, well-informed questions? Did you do what you said you were going to do? Did you follow up? Did your email have spelling errors in it? Did the collateral you send over the case studies, was it applicable to them, right? It's all of this stringing together these micro moments. And I think a lot of sales reps struggle and, and organizations fail to hit their numbers because they have a tendency not to embed ways for sales execs and sales uh, people to consistently and repeatedly uh, create those relationships that lead to trust and credibility. Yeah, I like to do an exercise, Chad, when I open up, at a, when I'm speaking some more in a training workshop, the same, and I'll do a two-minute drill and ask them to uh, put together, you've got two minutes, you're going to be marched in front of your customer. It's somebody who you really want to land, as you understand it. Several other competitors are going to be there. They've got two minutes, too. I'm going to That's all they've got. That's all you have. What would you communicate if all you had was two minutes to communicate to this customer you really, really want to land? And so I give them a minute and a half, two minutes to come up with it. Invariably, 98%, I've been doing this for years plus, will automatically go to that pitch, what we think you ought to know. Right. And then I'm after they've all done that, and then we play it back on video recording, if we record it, I said, how could you possibly know? How could you know what they want unless you've asked? We all fall for this trap to launch into our pitch when one of two or both conditions exist. We're, un, we're unprepared or we're under pressure. Right. You make me <laughs> under pressure, you make me unprepared, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow it, and I know it. And I've done it. And and when we're not prepared, we're going to do that every time. We'll go back to what we think we ought to tell to sell rather than what we ought to ask in order to uncover their value drivers to sell to them 
what they're really wanting to know about. That's why I hate PowerPoint so much. I think <laughs> you, better, you better kill your PowerPoint. You're going to kill the sale. And uh, I also I often get a lot of you know cross-eyed looks at that one. But I mean, stop and think about it. What's more insane than standing up for 30 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour and flipping through all these slides, 65 slides or so, on how uh, here's what we think you ought to know about us so you'll buy us. And half of the audience is, you know, if not more, are already out of tune and uninterested within the first five or six minutes. Stop it and just have dialogue. Ask questions throughout or do something even insane and just say, you know what, I'm not I'm not going to have a, a PowerPoint. I want to have a dialogue. I've got questions for you and I want to find out from you what it is you'd like to know from me or build your PowerPoint for goodness sakes. From that perspective, stop and ask them. I was asked the other day by a salesperson, so what should you do with a PowerPoint? I said, ask your customer, for goodness sakes, what do they want to hear? <laughs> what information would they like to see you cover? And build your PowerPoint if they want one according to what they want, not what you think they ought to know. Yeah, structure it for them first, you second. And that's a, we see that a lot in proposals even, right? They, the first 15 pages are all of this, why we're so cool, when really you know they're just going to flip back and start with the pricing. So let's, you know, yeah. let, let, let's, <laughs> let's make sure we're structuring every element of the experience around how they're going to buy, what information they're going to want when, right? And providing them access to it in a way that's based off of their value drivers, what they're going to find valuable. Not not only business perspective, but also personally. So, you know, business is a personal thing. People buy from people that they trust that will drive them towards solutions, right? Not, not just conflict. Exactly. I so, mean, that, go ahead. Oh, so I was going to say, so when you think about, I mean, there's a bunch of challenges, right? For B2B mm -hmm. uh, companies that are trying to transform their sales teams. Uh, you, of course, you've always, you know, you've got to train your sales guys. Most of them haven't been trained, even less have been trained in how to effectively prospect today. And there's a lot of challenges and things that these, that these organizations have to address. But if, if you could narrow it down and just pick like the top three challenges that you see B2B companies facing in terms of transforming their sales teams to provide a better sales experience and drive growth, kind of what would those three top challenges be from your perspective? I think number one, they've got to help their sales people, sales force, understand what it is the customer is wanting when they arrive at the website or on a phone call and how they have changed. Quite frankly, many uh, companies have underinvested for so long in sales training, Chad, and sales enlightenment or sales education that their sales force really doesn't have much of a a great understanding about how it has changed and how millennials in many cases are influencing eight out of every 10 purchase decisions B2B and how the younger mindset or the younger buyers probably looking for more and more information without human contact. And that, that I, I, I'd start with that. You mentioned mapping the customer's journey you know, the, um, in, in the customer's motor, the uh, buyer's journey or the buyer's motivations. And uh, you've got you've got that's a great place to start. Um, start that education and what it is they need to know. The second thing I think is another big challenge today, and that's aligning the sales force or even the sales process with that customer's or buyer's journey. Uh, aligning the sales force efforts and the sales process with that journey is such an important part of being able to do it effectively. Um, I, that is a real challenge. Quite frankly, a, a lot of organizations just don't know how to do that. They don't know where to start. Um, and that's 
that that's going to be a challenge, but it's one that they need to certainly tackle. The third, I'd say, um, you know, I'd probably put my finger on, not to be repetitive, but training. It really today does come down to equipping the sales force and that sales person with that ability to sell and communicate their value in a compelling way that differentiates from competitors and quantifies the value and the difference that they will make for a customer that's linked directly back to that customer's value drivers. And th that um, may have taken 10 seconds to say, but it takes a little longer to understand. I find a lot of this is easy to learn, but it's difficult to apply. And so uh, I think that's the other challenge. We've got to get the sales force willing to make a change in how they do sell to wake up to the fact that this is a very different world that we're in today and it's challenging and we need to find a way to sell better and we need to be more customer centric if we're going to do that. Yeah, without a doubt, that context switching, I think, is difficult sometimes for sales executives because you know, a lot of them I, I've found, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm alone in this, but I find that they have a tendency to want to, whether they're aware of it or not, make the perception of sales inside of their organization more complex than it needs to be just mm -hmm. as a way to build credibility for the sales function inside of the organization. When in practice, it is the simplicity. It is the simple, and simple is not easy, right, to your point. Yeah. It, it's easy to learn it, but the application of it takes a, a commitment and a consistency that sales execs have a tendency to not uh, reinforce because they're so driven by, well, what's my pipeline look like for the quarter? What's my numbers look like for the quarter? And it needs to be a more institutional, more consistent approach to that enablement and that training of individuals, uh, especially as we see more B2B buyers become super sensitive about the experiences that they're engaging in with their providers. Yeah, in a word, I'd have to call it culture. I mean, that's to, yeah, if you yeah. had to put me in a corner and say, so what do you work on, really, if you can only say one thing that you're working on with clients? In reality, it's culture. It's changing that sales culture so that um, salespeople direct their own behavior, they leverage their own efforts, and they're doing it for the right reasons, and they understand, they're informed, and they're open to that kind of change. So many sales uh, cultures have been not deliberately or intentionally created, but they've just kind of happened. And one day the sales manager wakes up or the sales executive looks at things a little more closely and goes, my gosh, uh, this is not the culture we want. This is not how we want people behaving out there. Well, they're going to have to change some of the things they do up in the, at the executive level, like stopping um, being obsessed about measuring sales and start measuring selling behavior. Um, measuring sales is easy. Measuring selling behavior is a little different. And you have to unpack that and ask yourself, how can we change that behavior? And that's got to be changed through the culture. And uh, in fact, I'm working with an organization right now on that. And they're literally working on this exercise of what are, what are our values? What values do we aspire to? What are, our, what are our sales standards? How do we want people to sell? How do we want them to perform their job? What kind of attitude do we want them to have? Um, and values do we want them to uphold? When you start doing work like that, uh, salespeople are more than willing to make those changes. But you can't just hand them another torch and ask them to go light the field again. You've got to understand, you know, why? Why am I doing this? That's, that's the important question. We always want to focus on the how and here's what you need to change and make it happen now. But we skip that important question. Why? 
Yeah, it's it's interesting the the awareness we talk about when we work with clients conscious competence versus unconscious competence like being aware of the need for preparation, right? Preparing what you believe the person you're going to be speaking with will find valuable, not what you need to get in front of them. You know, being prepared to ask questions that help you differentiate, you know, mm. really focus on that experience. I was <laughs> I was doing a a keynote for a, a client, a big sales kickoff and uh I bought 3 IKEA chairs and I took the instructions out of one set. I cut these instructions in half in the other. And then I picked uh, one of the people that I was doing an analysis with, an assessment with. I gave them a heads up in advance that, hey, you're going to be putting together this chair for time at this event in front of everybody. So here's the instructions. Make sure you do your homework. And we call them up and, you know, they did teams of two and they start to put these chairs together and you hear the normal, and if anybody's ever put together, and I don't mean to pick on Ikea, but any (laughs) self-assembly furniture, at some point you want to throw the crap across the room. Uh, Uh, And it's just that, it's that, you know, demonstration of what it takes to be prepared and make sure you know what the end goal is uh, before you go in and doing your homework and practicing. It's going to change the experience, not only for the buyer, but it will change the experience for the sales reps too. It will make them much more uh, excited and authentic and passionate because they're not pushing a stone uphill. Exactly. Well, everything we do contributes to the image we create for ourselves. And that image is never neutral. It will always be either positive or negative. And you can either, as a salesperson, decide that I want to intentionally create the image to that customer that I want in that relationship, or I can just let it happen and uh, and be passive about it. I'd much rather know what kind of uh, image I'm creating. And so if I, t- if I take that and I own that, then I start looking at how I do my emails differently, how I answer the phone, how I'm prepared, going through the disciplines and my mental preparedness all the way down to my paper and pencil work that I may do to get prepared for the questions I'm going to ask or the objections they may, but having my whole act together so that when I walk in, I'm organized, I'm capable, I'm confident, I'm relaxed, and I can focus on that customer and I'm not caught off guard. Right. And I don't have all that tension that exists. You know, I, I, I'm free of that when I walk in. That's my message to salespeople often. Uh, you know, look, you got all these touch points. Determine how you want to be perceived because when you do it right, you're going to be in that trust corner. You don't want to be in the commodity coffin corner. You want to be in that, you know, value vault. And to get there, you've got to create the trust and the relationship. And that takes asking questions, listening, speaking their language, identifying with their values. Yeah, excellent. So let's change the direction a little bit. We ask kind of our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview. First is simply, as a revenue executive yourself, that means you're you're a prospect for other individuals out there um, yeah. or a target, depending on how you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious. Um, I always like to hear when somebody's trying, somebody you don't know is trying to get your attention and connect in a credible way to have a conversation. What captures your attention? What gets you to respond to somebody? Oh, good question. You know, uh, for me, it's uh, pretty simple. They've got to be able to, what really gets my attention, what gets through the clutter of a really busy day and a lot of distraction is if uh, they answer four questions in uh, less than 25 seconds. Um, I want to know who they are. Why are they calling? I want to know what do they want? What do they want me to do? And fourthly, I want to know what's the benefit to me if I do what you want me to do. And I want all of that under 25 seconds or so. If you can answer that in an email that I can peruse and look through in less than 25 seconds, 100 words, 
You can do that in a voicemail or you can do it on a phone call. Uh, you got my attention. And specifically, of course, I'm presuming that they're narrowing in on the on an area of need that I have. Um, but just their approach. I mean, I, I weed people out really quickly, and I think customers generally do this based on their approach. If they're unconfident, if they're rambling, if they're you know unclear, disorganized, if they're coming across the spiel, uh, we're just <laughs> highly sensitive to that. And just you know, we hit that delete button. Where's yep. delete? Boom, you're out of there. Yeah, that's what gets through for me. Excellent. And so we call our last question, Acceleration Insight. If there's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, professional services people, one piece of advice that if they internalized and listen, you believe would help them be more successful, hit their targets, what would it be and why? Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat and give you two real quick instead of one <laughs> we'll long one. It. Number we'll one, I'd say the customer's perspective. You've got to you know, know the Step out away from your desk, crawl across the desk onto their desk, so to speak, and look at everything about selling and about what you sell and what you represent from the customer's perspective and build out your approach according to that. That's number one. Number two, prepare, prepare, prepare. Just like retail's location, 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 sort of, or used to be, it today for the today's B2B salesperson, it's prepare, prepare, be ready, be organized. If you're not spending 10 to 15 minutes preparing seriously for at least that long for a sales call and what you're going to ask and the objections and your sales call objective, if not considerably more, then you're not doing your job. Excellent. Mark, if the listeners are interested in talking more about the topics we touched on today, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, you can go to my website, salesrevenuecoach.com. There's some articles there on the blog, et cetera, and um, find some resources there. Or contact me, mark at salesrevenuecoach.com. Excellent. Mark, I can't thank you enough for the time today. It's been great having you on the show. Great. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jan. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode. Please check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, family, coworkers. Let us know what you're thinking. And until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.